and welcome to Grace Unscripted, where we share stories of the people in and around Grace Church without any script, just real, raw conversations about life change through Jesus. I'm your host, Audrey Wallace, and today I speak with Melissa Schmitz. And first, I want to thank Melissa for being vulnerable and for sharing the hard and dark parts of her story. Um, And I do want to let our audience know that she's going to talk about depression and an eating disorder and even if that's not part of your story, what's part of all of our stories is how God uses his people to bring us back to him. And that's a beautiful part of Melissa's story here today. Hi, welcome, Melissa. Hi. (laughs) Nice to have you here. Thanks for coming in today. Um, So for our audience, Melissa and I are just getting to know one another. So we're going to go on a journey together to understand her story. So I really do want to start at the beginning for you, Melissa. Uh, We're sitting here in Akron, Ohio, but is this home for you? It is not home for me. Um, People ask me a lot where I'm from, and I don't know how to answer because I was born in Germany. Oh, wow. And I have probably moved at least 15 times in my life. Okay, well, let's uh, settle in and unpack that. (laughs) Tell me about 15 moves. And first of all, even just for our listeners, how old are you to have that many moves in your life? I am 30, and I have never lived anywhere more than two and a half years. Wow, okay. So Germany... That's the starting point. Mm -hmm. Talk about, is that where your family of origin is from? Were you there for a purpose? My dad, actually both of my parents were military when I was born. And my dad got out to go to seminary. And then, so he was a pastoring a church when I was little, little, and then got back into the Air Force to become a chaplain. Okay. And then... um. As a chaplain, he, we moved around quite a bit. I've lived in like Virginia, Colorado, Texas, California, Florida, and my dad retired and mo- we moved to Ohio. We lived there for a couple years when I was in high school. My parents have since gone back to Florida, but actually Ohio was my favorite place out of everywhere that I lived. I wanted to ask that, but Ohio really was the favorite. Yeah. Specifically Akron or just Ohio in general? Specifically Akron. Wow. Um, my parents live in Florida and it's too hot and too much of like mm-hmm. a tourist trap for me. Okay. Ohio is like much more of a normal place to live. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, what is normal for someone who's lived in so many places, especially, do you, do you speak other languages? Um, I speak Spanish. Okay. I actually was a Spanish teacher for a few years. Okay. And did you live in Latin countries as well? No, only for my study abroad in Spain. But I mean, living in Florida and Texas and California, Mm -hmm. though, there was still a lot of Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. So I think seeing all the different cultures across the United States was part of like where I got the interest in learning to speak Spanish. So you learned Spanish in a school setting, not because you were living in an area that majority spoke Spanish, or is it a combination? It's a combination. Mm-hmm. As I started to learn it, I like realized that there was quite a few opportunities mm-hmm. to practice speaking it. And I'm really excited. I'm actually going to Guatemala in a few weeks on a missions trip. So I'm really excited to use it in that setting for the first time. That will be really helpful. Your team, I'm sure, will will appreciate that. Okay, and but no German. You don't have any of that hidden in the in the language bucket there either. No, and I know so I just got married and my husband 
like his last name is Schmitz. Okay. So as I change my last name, I know that I'm going to get that question a lot yes. more. Of like, <laughs> right. If it all makes sense. Is his mm-hmm. family from Germany? Yes. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. So we started in Germany. You've lived in 15 places, you said, total? Something like Something that. Something along those lines. Probably hard to really discern between them all. Um, you speak Spanish. You studied abroad in Spain. Spain. What part of Spain? Uh, Sevilla, which is like in the southern part of the country. Okay. And that was in college. Mm-hmm. What uh, What was the study abroad function? Were you there for language studies or for some kind of a mission work or was it simply for college classes? It was part of my degree since I majored in Spanish education. Like okay. a study abroad was required. Yep. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's That's been a lot so far. Um, I would love to understand within that journey where Jesus showed up, when he showed up, did he come and go? What did that, your faith part of that journey look like? Um, well, so my dad was a pastor right after he retired and I was like ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And so like church was kind of my whole life, but it mm-hmm. was a really unhealthy situation as okay. far as the church. And so like, as a pastor's kid, I saw a lot of the politics in a church mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of the hurt and the hypocrisy. Mm. And so like, as I got later into my teenage years, I like kind of wanted nothing to do with it. Okay. And so there was a point where I like did not know what I believed. Mm-hmm. And then my dad ended up resigning from that, but he still like made us go to another church. Mm-hmm. And I would cry like every morning mm. because I hated it so much. So with the number of moves that you had... Starting in Germany and all over America, and at this point you're you're still a teenager in this story, um, which is already a hard enough time. What was that like for you? Was that was that like something that led to creativity and fun, or did that have some hard parts? Um, it was. It definitely, I would say, was mostly hard. Um, my my dad retired in the middle of my ninth grade year, and so we moved from Florida to Ohio in the middle of high school, which was really hard for me. Yeah. yeah. And so. And that's when you moved to Ohio. Mm-hmm. So were you in the Akron area and like the school systems here? No, I like went from being like going to a, a Christian school that I loved to being homeschooled again. Okay. And so like that also was really hard. Okay. And so now you're trying to find a friend group and church and you're probably involved in a church now, but all those kids maybe go to school together and you're not at that school and you know, friendship in teenage years is hard. And like, where did you find your identity at that point? At that point. So my dad, when he retired, he started pastoring a church in the Akron area. Mm-hmm. And I, that was like every aspect of my life, like all of my friends, like there all the time Mm -hmm. and um that kind of was an unhealthy situation um as a teenager I saw a lot of church hurt I saw a lot of like the politics and the hypocrisy in the church and that was really hard for me to wrap around my head around as a teenager okay because I started to I started to associate faith and Christianity with pain okay um, as much as you're willing to share with that, what did that look like? Um, I would say during this time, like, is really when I started experiencing a lot of mental illness, a lot of depression, and like in this 
season of my life, I really started to wrestle with an eating disorder. Okay. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to eating disorders. I think it's easy to associate it with with like body image and appearance and all that. But for me, it actually started as a result of a church-wide fast. Wow. Okay. Talk more about that. So our, as a church, like in this situation, like that my dad and the elders had called everyone to fast and to pray for the church. And there was something that just like really took root in me in a bad way in that. And that's when like my battle with anorexia like really started wow okay well first of all thank you for sharing that with us and um stories like this are really important so thank you for sharing that um and since it came from something that you know i believe we we believe that god designed and it can be leading to great spiritual experiences but in this case it went a different direction in a teenage mind that's hurting and searching and seeking and and maybe at this point not fully understanding freedom in Christ and all that so how did you did you hide it were you able to share it with anybody how did how did that how did, how did the journey toward healing come for you um it was definitely a journey so like this was all when I was 16 and 17 and I actually didn't get help with it until I was like 26 wow Okay. So it was like quite a decade of like struggling. Wow. Okay. And so, but in this though, was when I really encountered a relationship with God for the first time. And I think that's a big misconception that I always want to address when I share my story is I think there's a lot of hurt when it comes to mental illness and Christianity. I think we like to give a lot of Band-Aid answers Mm. of trust in Jesus and your anxiety is going to go away Mm. leaning lean into the joy in Christ and you're not going to experience depression Mm -hmm. or even like the fasting like this is a discipline that you should engage in like those were all things like that I heard Mm -hmm. but that wasn't my story I could be leaning into Christ and growing like more and more ill Mm. wow so how did, um, you mentioned that that was when you grew closer to God while you were also, um, and, and help me understand, were you able to share this with anybody or, or it was, you said it wasn't for 10 years that you were able to get help. Was that something that you kept private that during that time? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would say there was like a couple of people here and there who would ask me about it, but mm-hmm. I didn't really even have the language to like mm-hmm. describe what was happening mm-hmm. other than like this inner turmoil turmoil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're in a church and you're you're getting the lessons and you have sounds like parents who are investing in you you're homeschooled is that right mm-hmm. at this time so like there's people that are there with you and I think that shows how tricky those things can be and and if it's a a thing that Satan's trying to use to keep you away from God, like he can really just to sink in and and steal steal during that time. So, um, what was what was turning points for you within that? I think a major turning point definitely um, was when my dad ended up resigning from that church mm-hmm. and 
like encountered Jesus for the first time, like relationally, that was a huge turning point because um, that's what I needed after a hard church experience Mm -hmm. to realize like Jesus is with me. Mm -hmm. How did you realize that? Well, so after this church, my dad had us start attending another church. It actually was Norton Grace Church. Oh, wow. So that okay. was like my first experience with Grace Church. Okay. And for no fault of Norton's, <laughs> but just the season of life. Like I hated it. And oh, like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I like cried every Sunday because I oh, like wow. just did not want to be there. But like faith was really important in my family. Mm-hmm. And my dad was very much like we had a hard experience in church but we still follow Christ Mm -hmm. in our family. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that was a really hard experience for me, but Mm -hmm. a lady in the church, she actually still works for grace. Um, she called me one day and asked me if I wanted to go on the Kalahari retreat because Kalahari has been around a long time, Uh like that retreat. And so I got to go on scholarship and that was, a really powerful weekend for me. Like mm-hmm. I encountered Jesus relationally for the first time and I realized that I was suffering, but that Jesus was suffering with me. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. And so I left Kalahari and it wasn't just like a retreat high. It was, I left and started reading the Bible to get mm-hmm. to know Jesus for the first time. And I had never read the Bible that way before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is so interesting how we can be around church. I think you said previously, like knowing God, but not really realizing the potential of relationship and closeness with with Jesus. And the Bible is a great place to start that. So post-Kalahari, which is still such an important part of our student ministry today, things like Momentum Conference and all those, you know, these are tools in a toolbox, but it really does lead to life change, like you're saying here. So what did that look like for you after that? And how did your journey, because I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't a perfect road, even still there, what did that look like? Yeah, like I said, like this was like a decade before like I got help. And mm-hmm. so like if we're going to downward spiral, like it's still like going way downhill okay. at this point. And so um, living in Ohio and then my senior year, um, my parents moved to Florida okay. and switching schools like when you're a senior, it was really like, that was really difficult for me. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was homeschooled at this point And then like, I actually went to public school for the first time, like as a senior in high school. In Florida. Yes. Wow. Okay. Cause like my parents didn't have jobs at this point. And so yeah. like they needed to like be able to work. Um, yeah. And definitely like through that was really difficult for me. Um, my parents, like, like I said, when they moved down, like they had nothing, we had like no jobs. Mm -hmm. And so then like, I was more and more like associating like my pain and my hurt from like God and the church and Christianity, Mm -hmm. because in my mind, like we wouldn't be in this situation as a family if it weren't for the situation of hurt going on in Mm -hmm. the church. Mm -hmm. Do you have siblings? I do have siblings. Tell me about that. I have three younger siblings and then I have an older brother. Okay. And my older brother is actually how I ended up back in Ohio because Mm -hmm. moving to Florida my senior year, like did not love that. And so as soon as I graduated high school, 
I decided I was moving back to Ohio and he lived in Kent at the time. So, so when your family was in Ohio, was he starting college? Yeah. And and stayed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you were able to come back and be back in apparently your favorite, your favorite place to live out of all 15 or so. Yes. The Akron area, which is so cool. And then what did you do then? You're, you're, it sounds like still in a downward spiral, if I'm understanding correctly. Um, you're graduated. Mm-hmm. What did you have hope for in your future as a high school graduate? I had no idea what I wanted to do graduating high school. And so I majored in Spanish education because I was like, when all else fails, I guess I'll just be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so... I went to Malone. I loved Malone because that was a space where I just had all the freedom I needed to be able to ask questions about God and Mm -hmm. explore faith. Mm -hmm. And, but like, even when it came to like the eating disorder, so I struggled because most people go to college and they're like, the cafeteria is the worst. I can't wait to go home to my parents and enjoy their cooking. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, like me in college, like I know like my parents are struggling to make ends meet. I know my younger siblings are like going to bed hungry. How can I have all you can eat cafeteria Mm -hmm. food in good conscience knowing like Mm -hmm. they're hungry? Mm -hmm. And so I still like, even in then like really wrestled with eating then. That is an interesting perspective on it because, like you said at the beginning, I, I would have assumed body image and things like that, but it was really just a battle with, with food. Am I understanding that correctly? Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, I think the tendency for a lot of people in stress and in hurt and in depression, I think that there's a tendency of either undereating or overeating okay. to respond to stress. Okay. And for me, I think the undereating was definitely like my default stress Mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. And so like experiencing depression and like no energy, no motivation to eat. Mm -hmm. And it's like in college, um, by the end of it, as I was graduating, I started dating the wrong guy. Um, I had never dated before. And at this point, like I wasn't really like connected well to community or my family because my family was down in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so like this was a pretty abusive relationship. Um, And when I finally left that relationship, I was pretty like emotionally destroyed, like even more so than I already was. And so like, again, like at this point, like depression and PTSD Mm -hmm. were a lot worse. Um, But I think this was what was putting me towards hitting the rock bottom that I needed to get towards recovery. Okay. So. Wow. And so when you graduated college, you've shared with us already that you were 26 before you really got help. So there's some space within there. What did you do? Um, Well, God is like the redeemer of all things. And so um, when I got out of this relationship, um, it was a process. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times like with the territory of abusive relationships is a lot of control and manipulation. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't in Akron at the time. But I came back to Akron because I needed to get away from the situation. And that's mm-hmm. actually when I started attending Grace. 
Grace, and you're I, in Bath. Yeah. Okay. So I've been at, I've been at Grace like in total, like seven years. Okay. I started coming when I was 23 and in this, like I left for a year and came back. But yeah, this was like the time when I like started attending Bath mm-hmm. and just like instantly got plugged in. And so like, it was kind of really cool to get to like start over and start a new life away from this person, like in Akron. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a teacher at this point and realizing that teaching was not for me. Okay. And, but I also hadn't really addressed the eating disorder or the depression at this point. And so I was not well. Wow. That's a long time, Melissa. Um, to go through that pain and the, the layers, right? Starting with church and, and then relationships and the moving and high school and, you know, all those things. Um, and how, how did being here at Grace and not just Grace as a church, but your personal relationship with God, like how did you see him? What were the the winks that you got from God or anything that gave you um, the foundation to keep believing and to, to carry forward as you were healing or going toward healing? Um, I'm really thankful for the way that like I was able to get plugged into serving right away. Mm-hmm. Um, right away, like I was connected with like Sarah and Sunny from Give It Away mm-hmm. and uh, part of Feed My Starving Children and I joined a life group mm-hmm. and yeah, I just like, I loved seeing, I loved seeing church like in a healthy way because I had mm-hmm. really like in the last like years only known it like in a hurtful sense. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, that was like me, my piece of joy in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in teaching, I had a grant, so I had to like teach for four years But I knew that after that four years was up, I was done. And Mm -hmm. so I was praying and praying about like what God had next for me, like just like loving the give it away world. And so at this point I was like praying and asking God, like what's next? And I thought, I thought I was going to be a missionary. Okay. And cause like I mentioned before, like I did a study abroad in Spain and I speak Spanish Mm -hmm. and like love culture. And so like, I thought that that was where God would call me, Mm -hmm. but when I finished teaching, like, um, that is when, like, I actually, like, hit rock, rock bottom. Oh, okay. So I was, I had stepped away from grace and joined a really well-intentioned body of believers mm-hmm. and was really, like, trying to, like, heal and trying to figure out the depression and the eating disorder and the hurt and that's when I really saw the ugly Mm. of how the church at times responds to mental illness. Mm. Um, I had been told very much so that I needed to press more into Jesus Mm. and that like I wasn't trying hard enough and I wasn't fully giving it and fully surrendering. And I was Mm. at the point of like, God, I don't know how to more give this Mm. to you. Mm. Um, and again, like these believers, like I hadn't fully let them in Mm -hmm. and like them like saying like, okay, like if you want to experience like 
God's freedom and God's joy, like pray fast. Mm. And then, so again, like at this point, I am like already super sick again, being told to fast Mm -hmm. and like my eating disorder just like eats that up. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, like well-intentioned believers telling somebody with an eating disorder, like fast and you're going to be healed. Mm. Didn't really quite work out so well. Mm -hmm. Um, and even got to the point of, I had, it had been suggested to me, like, you are being influenced by a demon because otherwise, like, you would not be experiencing what you're experiencing. Like, how can you be connected to Christ if you want to die? Mm. Um, how can you be a follower of Christ if you are not experiencing his hope? Mm-hmm. And... So that's where I found myself. And um, it was in that I ended up like getting kicked out of that group of believers. They were like, find Christ. And when you find him, come back. Wow. And that was like, I did not know how I was going to make it past that moment because I was like, God, I thought I loved you. I thought we were walking together. Like I asked you if we could do missions together. Yeah. What did he say? Um... God actually used my mom in that season. She like knew almost nothing Mm. about what was going on. But I had started to tell her a little bit about the depression at this point. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I know that God could heal me of this and how I feel Mm -hmm. and where I'm at mentally. I know that he could heal me in an instant Mm -hmm. if he wanted to. And I was like, he's choosing not to. And I don't understand that. Mm. And my mom told me something really powerful. And this is how I think I'm a counselor today. Mm. Is She was like, you've always wanted to help others and be there for others. And she was like, God choosing to not heal you and allow you to go through suffering. She's like, that's, that's the most Christ-like answer. Mm. She was like, you cannot help people if you do not also know what it's li- mm. like to suffer. She mm-hmm. was like, that was Jesus's life. Yeah. And so... That really had an impact on me. Wow. Good job, Mom. And I think of how much more powerful a story, which is what she was saying, that Mm -hmm. includes suffering and even though. But God, those those changes, those um, stories of life change. You know, you have one. And this is that was the beginning then of you having a new perspective on it and starting to finally seek help and actually come out of the, um, I mean, does one ever really fully come out of depression? I know it is a a very challenging thing, but what happened next after that conversation with your mom? Um, so I started going to counseling and it was in going to counseling where I realized like how messed up things were. Um, Mm. and I was super severely depressed. Like I like hadn't, I had absolutely no hope and just like in a dark place. And um, at this point, like I wasn't even going to church because like I had been kicked out of this group Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm lost. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting in counseling and just kind of sharing like the thoughts going through my head with my counselor. And she told me, she was like, Melissa, you can either call a friend to to take you to the ER or she's like, I am calling an ambulance because she's like, I cannot release you to yourself at this point. Wow. And so I really didn't want to pay for an ambulance. So I was scrolling through my contacts in my counselor's office and asking her, 
or asking myself, who in the world could I call or have my counselor call that is going to be absolutely unfazed by this? Mm. Because it's heavy to like ask a friend, hey, can you take me to the psychiatric ER because I want to die? Wow. And so I actually was scrolling through and I saw a name of a person from Grace when I had attended Mm. like previously. And it was, it's actually Sunny. Mm. If you've gone back and like heard her podcast Mm. on Grace Unscripted and know her story, you know that she is the person who's going to be absolutely unfazed Mm. by nothing. Whoa. By nothing. Yeah, that's that gave me goosebumps right there. That's absolutely true. And knowing her, so you called her, mm-hmm. and I, she, as she sat there, she stayed the whole time mm-hmm. in the ER with me, and she was like, she asked me what was happening, and she was like, Melissa, you cannot have the Holy Spirit in you and a demon in you. She's like, that's impossible. So whatever these people have been telling you, like, mm-hmm. that's wrong. Mm. And she was just like, Melissa, come home. Mm. So that's when I came back to Grace. And um, I went to my life group for like that I was part of before. I went for like a week or two. And then I ended up going to residential treatment down in Florida. Mm. And what was really powerful about that is that, first of all, my family, who was not, like, they knew I was struggling with depression, but they didn't know to, like, what level. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to ask them for help in, like, paying for treatment. And so, like, mm-hmm. that really brought my family into what was going on. Okay. And then, at this point, I was working full-time at Starbucks. And so, like, you can't just leave your job for three months without, like, everyone knowing why you're gone. Mm-hmm. And then, like left my life group and I was like hey I'll be back Mm. in a couple of months Mm. but because of that and because treatment was like out of state like everyone in my life knew instead of it being a secret the way it was a secret for like 10 years yeah do you think that was helpful it was helpful actually like people from life group and like church several times a week would either write me letters Mm. or call me or send me packages while I was in treatment. And so that really laid the foundation to like uh, come home from treatment Mm -hmm. and like really have community around me Mm -hmm. as I was in recovery. Mm -hmm. And I am really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. It's like those path stones to lead you home. You use the word home from Florida to Ohio, but really it's, home into the comfort of your father's house Mm -hmm. and to a body of believers who were supportive and what God designed the church to be. Mm -hmm. Thank God for that. Wow. Um, Going to treatment is a big, huge step. Coming home from treatment is a big, huge step in how you step into your independent life and sustain what you learned. What was that like? So I got home from treatment at the end of 2019, mm-hmm. which meant that like transitioning like into like life of recovery, like the throes of that was COVID. Right. So that that was a little bit bumpy of a recovery. And that again, like it was God's provision that I was surrounded by people who knew my struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so people really knew to come around me and like ask me the right questions of like, have you eaten today? Mm. Or how's the depression? Mm -hmm. What's on your heart right now? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would say even now um, as a counselor, one of the things that I really try to work with with my clients is who is your support system? Mm -hmm. Who are your people? And if you don't have people, where can you find your people? Mm-hmm. Because like, I just know for me, like that was so powerful mm-hmm. was the body of believers around me. Absolutely. You mentioned you're a counselor. When did that happen in this whole tale? Um, I actually, I started school like eight months after I came back from residential treatment. And I remember in the middle of like all of the summer of like getting help, like lots of assessments Mm -hmm. and mental health screenings and all that to get into treatment. Mm. And there was a social worker who asked me what I wanted to do with my life one day. Mm. And cause she was like, you're not a teacher anymore. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I couldn't do it. And I was like, it sounds really silly, but there was part of me that always wanted to be a counselor. But I was like, yeah, I know that's ridiculous for me to say that when I am like about to be in residential treatment mm-hmm. because I my mental health is so messed up. And she was like, that's not silly. She's like, every social worker in this building is here because we're all messed up and we all have a story, but we believe in the pathways that can help people towards healing. Mm-hmm. And so like her saying that, like when I came out of treatment, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And so, yeah, I spent like two and a half years working on my master's in social work. And then actually just graduated a few months ago and started work as a counselor. Is it everything that you thought it would be? Yes. It's like really surreal. Um, I think it's surreal sitting on the other side Mm -hmm. of the office like as a counselor after having like spent so many hours of my life like in counseling in all sorts of settings whether it be like outpatient Mm -hmm. or like in a psychiatric hospital or residential treatment like I kind of experienced it all and so like to be able to give back has been really powerful for me Mm -hmm. and you can speak from real life experience and you can relate and have empathy like the real kind (laughs) you could potentially have somebody across from you that you've experienced similar feelings to. Do you see that happening? Yes. Um, I would say, I would say like it is a pretty common story. Like more often you would think of people telling me when I ask them like, okay, what's your faith background of Mm -hmm. people like sharing like their stories of hurt. Um, like I had, I had someone share like, yeah, I've been struggling with anxiety and the people in my life told me to just read the Bible more mm-hmm. and that's not really helping me. Mm-hmm. And then I explained like, hey, like, let me tell you like what this illness is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus absolutely has a place in this, but like you didn't get here because there's something wrong with your walk with Christ. Mm. And so like being able to like 
kind of share that insight. I don't really share my story with my clients a lot, but like you said, I think there's a lot of empathy Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have with them had I not gone through this experience myself. Mm -hmm. Melissa, there is like a different tone and power in your voice when you just said that, when you said Jesus has a place in this, but this is not a problem with your faith. There is like a different sound to your voice. And that power, I think, is the Holy Spirit in you. It is your experience. It is your, like, these are words that are true and you need to hear it. I needed to hear it. And now I'm here and able to share this with somebody else. So that's that's a, a beautiful thing to witness, just kind of getting to know you here right now. Um, and... Also, I know there's been some other new changes in your life recently. So you graduated. Anything else happened recently? Maybe got married or something? Yeah, <laughs> I I graduated in December, got my license in January, and got married in February. Oh started gosh. a new job in February. And so it was a lot all at once. But you've been training for that since you were born. Yes. <laughs> changes, changes all the time. Yes. And my other plug for biblical community, I actually met my husband in life group. That's amazing. Tell me that story. Yeah. So my husband, his life group was ending. And so his life, his life group leader was like, hey, join this life group because I heard there's a bunch of single girls in it. <laughs> oh, man. I love when the Holy Spirit plays, plays in that form. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, he started coming and within a couple of months, like he wasn't super interested in me, but I knew that we were going to get married. Wow. Um, so then it was just a few months of trying to convince him that we were going to get married. Wow. Um, he helped me move into my house when I moved. And again, like we weren't even dating. And I was like, hey, do you like, do you like Indian food? Because mm-hmm. I live in the North Hill. Okay. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, Nepali food's basically really similar. Mm-hmm. So you should come over to back to my neighborhood sometime so we can get Nepali food together. So we went to Nepali kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, drew him in with curry, mm-hmm. and then we started dating mm-hmm. and yeah, just got married. Wow. And how long ago did you meet? Um, I want to say two years ago about, mm-hmm. but then yeah. It wasn't until like over a year into knowing each other where we actually started dating. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That's the good kind. Just kind of running towards Jesus next to one another and then the paths collide. That's that's awesome. Wow. Well, Melissa, I I appreciate your story. Um, It sounds like you've had a lot of change in your life and you're in this, you know, God makes all things new. And it just seems like you're in this new space where there's no loss of purpose from the beginning parts, the between the moving and the um, your depression, the eating disorder, the hurt in church. Those things are, as your mom said and kind of spoke over you, God can and will use these. And as Sonny said, you cannot have Jesus and a demon inside of you, like giving you that confidence through others, through biblical community, as you said. Um, now that these things are all kind of settling into place, what do you see next for you? Um, I think just like growing in my career as a social worker and as a counselor, hoping that this will last more than four years. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just like 
I love my job and I love what I do and I'm excited to like be in this role for a while as mm-hmm. long as God has me. I know one day in the future I would love to do like work in a residential facility because I know how powerful like the ability to like step away from life mm-hmm. for a couple months and like find peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And using that Spanish still a little too? Yes. Hopefully. I'm hoping I'm hoping to like get my Spanish back enough to where I could do counseling in Spanish. Wow. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that would definitely be good. And things that grace, mission trips, things like that as well. Yeah, I'm super excited for Feed My Starving Children. Um, I think it's super ironic how I started volunteering with that, like in the middle of struggling with anorexia. Mm. And since then, I've been a part of it like every year. And one year our slogan on the t-shirt was hope starts with food. And like, it just hit me that year. I'm like, that's my story. Mm. Hope starts like being physically fed. Mm. And as I was physically fed, I began to be spiritually fed as well. And so, yeah. That says it all. (laughs) What a beautiful summary. Uh, Again, thank you for sharing your story, for being vulnerable and, um, the for our listeners if there's something in melissa's story that you related to maybe you want help with maybe you want to talk more with there are so many people at the church who are willing to um be part of that wisdom team and part of that community that wants to help add clarity and add um just that pathway like those stepping stones that you talked about to come home yes and even like I would love to talk to anyone who has questions about like what is it what is it like um where can I go for help where where are some starting points so yeah I'm happy to talk with people too like this is my passion thank you thank you and that helps redeem your story as your mom said to you and you know thinking of Queen Esther like for such a time as this these experiences that you've been allowed to have can be used for the kingdom of God. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thanks for asking good questions. (laughs)